Hello, hello everyone. I am back with another episode. This one's going to be a little bit different because there's going to be an ad that appears somewhere in the episode. I am super excited to to tell you guys that I'm kind of maybe possibly getting paid to be podcasting. It's not that much. I cannot survive whatsoever. Like, no one can survive off of how much I'm going to get paid from this episode. But just a heads up, there is going to be an ad somewhere in this episode. I honestly have no idea what it's going to sound like and what it's going to be like. And maybe I hate it. And if I do, you'll never hear another ad in these episodes. Anyways, on to the high-low buffalo of this week. So for my high, I'm currently in LA and in order to get here, I flew and just a little side story or background, I am pretty claustrophobic. I really don't like the idea of being in a confined space. And even if I'm technically not really in a confined space, the idea that I can't leave or I'm kind of trapped in an area freaks me out. And so usually when I'm flying in a plane, I get those feelings and I'll have a panic attack. Um, And it especially happens when I hit the four hour mark because I get really antsy. And it also happens when I sit anywhere besides a window seat. But this time... I was forced because the flight was so full to sit on an aisle seat. And honestly, I could have sat in either an aisle seat or a middle seat, but I would have genuinely died if I sat in a middle seat. So I took the next best thing, which was the aisle seat. I was like low key, not even low key, like high key, like one second away from just tell, like asking the entire plane if I could take someone's window seat. But I decided to shut my mouth and I sat in the aisle seat for the four hour flight. And I'm proud of myself for two things. I like survived that flight sitting in the aisle seat and also for a four hour flight. I have no idea how I did it. I was really anxious about doing it before the flight took off, but I survived, obviously, and I'm proud of myself. So that's my high for my low. Okay, everyone and their mothers knows that I'm in love with bread and pastries. I love them so much. And the other day, I came across this pastry... No, pastry, bakery. Jesus Christ, like I haven't recorded an episode in like a week and a half and I feel very incoherent but anyways at this bakery they had the prettiest pastries I was so excited and I saw this chocolate croissant it was huge it was like the size of my hand and I was so excited to eat it and I even posted a picture of it on my Instagram but anyways it was the worst croissant I have ever had in my life it the texture of it like all throughout it was so bad so the outside was kind of like mm, like parchment paper I want to say and the inside was like really thick bread which is fine thick bread is fine but thick bread when it's a croissant 
is not right. That's not how croissant's supposed to be. It's supposed to be very fluffy and soft on the inside. So I was like, what the heck is this? And again, it was a chocolate croissant. But I swear to crap, like, I swear to God, the chocolate was literally this skinny ass little rectangle thing <laughs> that was right in the center and it was like pretty hard and that was it that was the chocolate in the chocolate croissant so i was i was so disappointed and it was crazy because the rev- the reviews for the bakery was so good and there's a lot of people in the restaurant and they're all eating pastries and i was looking around and i was like i can't be the only one that's not enjoying this unless all the people here have some messed up taste buds. Um, and also even on top of that, on the day that I went to the airport, I went to another bakery and I got a pommier, pommier, I don't even know how to say it, but it's this like, it kind of looks like a flattened, um, like if you squished two cinnamon buns, but they're like flattened. And instead of cinnamon, it's like crusted with sugar. You can look it up. It's spelled P-A-L-M-I-E-R. But I got one of those and it was huge. It was the size of two of my hands. (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, I guess like the bigger it is, the more pastry I get, which is better. That was what I was thinking for both of these choices. (laughs) But it looked really good also. And I was so excited because, you know, I was already disappointed by my chocolate croissant. But then this pommier was terrible also so what another waste of money and yeah just two for two bad pastries very low of all the lows I've ever mentioned and finally buffalo so since I've been home I've been chatting with my family and I've just the weirdest topic has come up and I've really never talked about this thing so casually with my family uh just because everyone kinds of kind of beats around the bush and like is really awkward about it which I mean so am I so I'm not even trying to judge or anything but everyone has been bringing up about dating and how I should date and why I'm not dating and it's weird because I'm only 22 and I thought this kind of conversation comes up when you're like 27 early 30s but I guess it's coming now and it's just been such a weird thing because I kind of just do my thing when it comes to this area and no one usually tells me what to do unless I ask for advice so now that it's like you know, my parents and my family are trying to like tell me what to do with this area. It's like making me kind of rebellious. And yeah, another fun fact about me is that when people tell me to do something, I really just don't like the fact that someone's trying to tell me to do something and trying to make me do something. So I'll usually go the other way. Um, So it's interesting that they're trying to yeah, I mean, suggest things in this area. And that's making me a little bit nervous for how I'm going to react when it comes to this. 
but anyways, it was, it's just been weird and it's come up several times. So yeah, Buffalo. (laughs) All right. So on to the subject of this podcast, which is a little bit more serious, um, but I felt like is super important and not a lot of people do content around therapy and finding a good therapist and like concrete advice for therapy. So I felt like talking about it because I am currently going to therapy. But anyways, just a heads up on how this podcast is structured. So the beginning is going to be a little bit more story-like-ish, just a little bit about my background and my experience with it. And then I'm going to go into why even bother with therapy, like what's the value in it and is it even worth it? And also how it helped me in general. And then finally, I'm going to give some advice or things I didn't expect Things I hope that you guys can learn from this episode about finding a therapist and just navigating that whole space because it is a beast. Like I mentioned, I am currently going to therapy. I started going to therapy again uh, two weeks ago. And the last time before that, I went to therapy. I had one session in January. Is that true? I think January of this year. And it was ass. Bad therapist. (laughs) And then before that, I went to therapy my senior year of college found an amazing amazing therapist loved her but obviously that got cut short because I graduated and before that my first time ever experiencing therapy was traumatic within itself which is ironic because I was going there to address my trauma and I came out with even more trauma Um, but in my sophomore year of college I really got into a low position and I needed some help and I sought out therapy and it backfired. I did not like that. So it freaked me out and I was very against therapy for two years until I decided to try it again when I hit a really low low in my senior year of college and that's where I found an amazing, amazing therapist which I can confidently say is as good as the therapist I have now. It took me a few months to find since January and a little bit of trial and error, but I'm really happy with her. So obviously that's why I'm sticking with her and paying the big bucks and losing a crap ton of money for my wallet but I will still confidently say that it is worth my money and if it weren't you know that I would be gone so quick because I don't waste money like that um but anyways okay so with that whole background 
you can probably already kind of tell that finding a therapist isn't as easy as it may seem. Just to paint a picture of what it's like, it's basically like dating, but it's worse because you have to be vulnerable right away. So with dating, at least you have like, you know, surface level conversations and you get to test out the waters a little bit, but no, therapy, like looking for a therapist is like dating around, but the first time you meet someone, you have to trauma dump on them and you completely skip the honeymoon phase and you have to show them your raw parts and it is exhausting to open yourself up like that and hope that the other person takes you in and gives you feedback in a very comforting and supportive way. Um, And I think more often than not, you're going to experience finding a bad therapist and having to, you know, tell that person you're not a good fit for me. And then moving on, it's pretty awkward, like meeting them, telling them all your problems, and then telling them later in like an email or maybe in the same phone call and being like, hey, I'm like so sorry, like I appreciate your time, but I think I'm going to go with another therapist. Like it's pretty awkward. Um, Not sure how obvious that is to a lot of people, but that's something that I didn't expect coming in. Maybe it's because I was pretty naive to the idea of therapy especially coming from an Asian background where I wasn't very aware of this. Uh, Another thing is that it's hella expensive. It is so expensive, but like I said, it's really worth it because the rate of return, like the value that you can get from being emotionally stable and level-headed to be able to approach problems and just life in general with a strong foundation, that's huge. Like you can go so much farther. You can achieve way, way more when you're able to perceive things a certain way and process things a certain way. I feel like if you're very rocky and not stable and confident within yourself and you have to go through a lot of external things like it can get pretty shitty out there and you know sadly life doesn't really look out for anybody and a lot of things can come your way and can knock you down and if you're not ready for that I feel like it can be pretty damaging so I think putting in that couple hundred dollars whatever it is is worth it it's kind of weird because Yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's hard to put a dollar amount on emotions and something so intangible um, and just so like figurative. But I think at the end of the day, it's one of the most, um, the best things you can spend your money on for yourself. If you truly love yourself, I think that's like one of the best like self-care purchases you can ever make better than a face mask or a spa day, whatever it is. Okay. So, oh, and also just a little heads up, just in case you're wondering, uh, in college, I never paid a cent for my therapy. 
And then for the session I had in January, I paid $70. Is that true? $70. And for the therapist that I have right now, it I asked for a cheaper price because she had a sliding scale. And I'll explain that in a second. But I asked for a cheaper price. I got approved for it. And I pay $150 for 45 minutes. And I see her every week. So it does add up. I pay $600 a month to see a therapist. Okay. Anyways, how does it help? Obviously, it's helping because I'm still here and I'm still looking. I was still looking for a therapist after I graduated college. And I didn't have to pay a cent. And now I'm wor- I'm willing to pay a cent for that service. Okay. First off, having a therapist is really nice because you have somebody who will fully listen to you. And yeah, technically it's kind of weird because you're paying <laughs> to have someone listen to you. On top of that, the way that they respond is probably the most important thing. I think therapists, they go to school for learning how to react to people's emotions and just different situations, body-wise, verbally, in so many ways, right? So they're super conscious of how they're, they're coming off whenever they're hearing your stories, whenever they're hearing you trauma dump, they're very aware of how they're reacting. You know, humans are pretty observant, I would say. And because of that, we're really good at picking up little things. And so when you are telling your stories to other people, you will pick up very easily in their small gestures and in very small verbal cues, even how they feel about it and whether or not you're being judged and whether or not it's a safe space for you to share these things. If you tell your story and are very vulnerable to other people, but they do not handle it the best way, it can be very triggering. It can be damaging to you because you can get some advice and reactions to your story that make you, you know, put you in a worse situation, can make you very insecure and can make you feel like there's something wrong with you when in reality, there's nothing wrong with you there's like something wrong with that person. (laughs) And so it's really important with a therapist that you can get the reaction that is unbiased, neutral to your situation so that your trauma doesn't get even more traumatic. Also, I feel like it's really nice to have somebody else to keep me accountable because sometimes I'm just not enough to hold myself accountable to a lot of pressures and sometimes I am my worst enemy so it's weird when I'm trying to discipline myself but I'm also the same person that's causing problems for myself and it's like this really weird scenario in my head and experience and so when I have a therapist it allows me to kind of be like no like there's somebody else holding me accountable. And also with the way that my therapists have been 
with me is they give me treatment plans and not every therapist is like this. I will go into this in a little bit, but this might be surprising to some people, but not every single therapist will give you a treatment plan. Not every single therapist will recommend medicine for you. Some therapists don't even tell you what to do. With my therapy sessions and the therapists that I like to have, I like to have a clear treatment plan. So having clear next steps on what to do so that I can figure my shit out is super important for me because then I know exactly what I need to do next and exactly how I can quote unquote fix, quote unquote address whatever I'm going through. Sometimes when I'm trying to make decisions on how to address my problems and what's the best way forward, it's pretty difficult for me to personally do that when I'm in the middle of it. And it's like the same idea of when my friends are going through a lot of shit and they ask me for advice, I'm really good at giving level-headed advice, I would say. But on the other hand, when I'm in the middle of it, I can be going through the exact same thing that my friend is going through, but then all of a sudden I have no idea what to do. And I'm just completely lost and I'm overwhelmed by the million things that are happening around me. And I just freeze. So that's another benefit of having a therapist. And finally... One of the biggest things about having a therapist is it helps you be vulnerable and open yourself up in certain areas that you might not be aware that you've been closed off in or that you haven't explored because basically you don't know what you don't know. There's been areas where I've been like, oh yeah, like that didn't matter. Like that's not a significant part of my life. And then I'll talk to my therapist about it. And for some reason they heard or noticed something and they'll probe at it and they'll ask me more about this certain situation I'll be like but normally I would think it's nothing and then because they kept probing at it I'm like oh shoot like there's like a whole thing with this (laughs) scenario that I didn't even expect and doing that and being very vulnerable is just a really good practice for learning about yourself and better understanding who you are And at the end of the day, that will help you be better at being with yourself and feeling grounded when you're alone without feeling very lonely or feeling like you need another person. So now on to a list of five things that I wish I had known slash that I learned after going through this entire process, just general advice to find the right therapist. And let me just preface this and say, if you're somebody who has like some weird thing against therapy or is really judgmental about therapy, just cut that shit. Like, mm-mm. like no one's hurting you by getting a therapist. Like if your friend gets a therapist, that will not affect you. So just let people do what they need to do and leave them alone. And if you have a friend that's like that, you can tell them that. You can send them this part of the episode. I fully stand by that. Honestly, to have a therapist and to be a better person because of it, everyone else benefits at the end of the day. I'm rambling. Okay, here's a list of things. First off, 
I didn't realize this, but it actually takes a lot of time to find a therapist. So be gentle with yourself. Take your time. Take breaks in between. I mean, I looked for a therapist in December, January, gave up afterwards because I was like, I'm exhausted and a little bit traumatized from that experience. And then I tried again in April, May, and luckily found a good therapist this time. So I needed that three, four month break before I can find somebody else. And that is completely fine. So just realize it might take way longer than you expect. And it's a ton of work. So if you're a little bit or a lot of bit overwhelmed, that is very normal. Next is, I'm, this is so cringy, but vibes. <laughs> the vibes of the therapist is really important. If the therapists themselves seem insecure, incom- like not confident, judgmental, not somebody that you would look up to slash not somebody that you feel like has their shit together, they're not the person to go for. Uh, just because this might rub off on you. So if they're not confident and like very sure and grounded in themselves, and you can already tell from the first few times that you meet them, you can bet that they're not going to be very helpful for you. And that could lead you to feeling very invalidated. It can lead you to not want to trauma dump on somebody and be very closed off at the end of the experience. So the moment that you feel uncomfortable and you notice these things, I would nip it in the butt and just cut it off right away because you're going to do more damage by sticking with this therapist. The cost of therapy is a huge thing, like I've mentioned, but there are some things that you can do, some tips and tricks for finding cheap therapy. And no, this is not sponsored, but first is the sliding scale, which is something that I used in January. And some therapists will offer this so you can ask and maybe they will have this. But a sliding scale is basically a range of pricing for their service. So some therapists will say, you know, $200 to 250 And if you are on the lower income side, they will, they might ask you for paperwork, but usually they don't. They just probably ask you for your income. And if your income hits a certain threshold, then you can get the lower price. And at the end of the day, it will add up. So I have a sliding scale right now. This therapist, I think her fees are 250 before, but I pay 150 per 45 minutes. Okay. And then there's something called a super bill. And just so you know, a super bill may or may not work. It just depends on the insurance that you have. But basically, it's an itemized receipt from your therapist. And you submit this with a reimbursement claim to your insurance company. And it, they will just reimburse the therapy session even though the therapist is, out, is outside your network. So you just need to do some research on whether or not your insurance will accept 
uh, reimbursement claims for therapy, but um, some insurances do. So I'm just going to put this out there. And also, side note, but good to know is after the 2008 Mental Health Parity and Addiction Act, which came out, uh, your insurance is legally, by law, is required to cover mental and physical health equally. So if you do have physical health insurance, you better bet your insurance is giving you mental health insurance coverage. It might not be the best, but legally they have to. So you should make sure that you're taking advantage of that. Okay, the other way of getting cheaper therapy is going through nonprofits. So I'm going to shout out two of them. And one is Open Path and the other is Inclusive Therapist. So there are these nonprofits that are focused on mental health and their whole gist is that they provide cheaper um, therapy sessions. So Open Path provides therapy sessions at 40 to $70 an hour, which is huge, significantly cheaper than obviously what I'm paying right now. And the thing is though that the therapists there are, I think in training or they're not as um, established therapists, but that doesn't mean that they're bad therapists. I've had friends, I've had family members that use their services and they really like it. So highly recommend that na- that nonprofit. And then the other is the inclusive therapist. And this one gives you a reduced fee. They also have a BIPOC therapy fund, which you can grab from if you're part of the BIPOC community for therapy. Okay. Finally, nope, not finally, two more things. Another red flag (laughs) for a therapist is if they ever are really persistent or demanding on continuing treatment or anything related to therapy, medication, or their services, I highly recommend backing off because no therapist should be forcing anything on you or making you feel uncomfortable about taking on a service. A therapist, a proper therapist, a good practicing therapist would not do that. They would back off. They would know people's limits and respect them. So if you ever feel like that is being threatened for you, you should definitely cut off this therapist. It is not a good look. Okay, finally, something that I didn't realize was that there are different styles of therapy. And I th- I believe the therapists out there should put the styles of therapy that they're known for on their website, whatever it is. If you don't know what it is, I would highly recommend asking them about it because So basically, when you first find a therapist, you have this intake session. So it is, well, actually, even before that, you have a phone call. Usually, it's like the free consultation. It's to make sure that you're a good fit for them and that they can provide what you need. 
So it's like a 15-minute phone call. Usually it's free. And you kind of tell them a little bit about what you're looking for and your background. And then they do the same thing. And they should tell you about the style of therapy that they're focused on. And if they don't, you should ask in that call. So there's different styles. And I'll just give you an example of some of them. But the type that I really like, which I mentioned earlier, uses you know, very clear action plans is CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And their whole gist is problem solution. So when you're telling your stories and things like that, you identify the problem. And then from there, you come up with solutions. And the whole belief around CBT is that the mental problems, the mental dysfunctions that you're facing is pretty much from irrational thinking or misperceptions. And because of that, you want to address that irrational thinking and the false perceptions. But then there's other types of therapy like art therapy, where you're using creative expression, art. It said, like, I mean, it says it in its name, but you use that type of activity to, you know, open your trauma, to address the trauma, whatever it is. There's also EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is where they have you move your eyes in a certain way while you process a traumatic memory. And you do this with several traumatic memories. There's body scans, there's other things like that. And ideally, you're supposed to undo your trauma with this technique. So every therapist has their own mixture of things and specialization in certain techniques. So you should definitely ask about those specializations so that you know whether or not they're a good fit for you. Okay, that's a lot of talking. I feel pooped out. (laughs) Anyways, I hope at least one part of this episode was helpful. Hopefully this leads to at least one person finding a therapist or maybe finding a cheaper therapist, whatever it is, or trying out therapy. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Spotify.